The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Parenthood. Your life doesn't end here. Hi, I'm Chriselle Lim, mother of two. And I'm Sarah Son, also mother of two. We're longtime friends and now mothers. Welcome to Being Bumo, a podcast about all things parenting. Let's have honest conversations about parenting so we can define it for ourselves. While having fun, of course, along the way. got back from Paris. So we are here, finally. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Mama Son. Um, oh. I'm sure you guys heard the new little intro, but we are so excited because Bing Bumo is no longer just Chris Selim. It's Chris Selim and Sarah Son. I'm so excited for this. I think we have so much to talk about. I hope that we can have really open conversations about motherhood and really just dive deep. And you know what I realized after our, I mean, this is technically our first episode, yes. but our previous episode was that people just want to hear real women talk about their own personal stories. You could have as many experts, as many, you know, these people that are well-established, but sometimes they just want to hear their neighbors, their girlfriends, and that's what was so special, I thought, was we were just being us. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that's actually where I get most of my information. I, you know, turn to experts for certain things, but really I'm looking at my girlfriends who had kids who are a little bit older than me. I'm asking them what horror stories is happening in middle school. <laughs> There's a lot of horror stories from middle school um, parents. Yeah, you're right. I think I, that's who I'm going to for advice and guidance, actually. It's not really the I experts. mean, honestly, you kind of scared me once I had kids because I'm like, <laughs> I know too much about this because Sarah um, told me all the ins and outs, but you know, that that's what you want to hear from people so you know what to expect. Yeah. And you're not blindsided yeah. by like mastitis, oh. not being able to breastfeed, not being able to sleep, postpartum depression, like all of that. Yeah. So we're going to be the ones telling you guys about, about what to that. expect. And plus like who, what mom's going to say and read about any of these things, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, God I had all moms. the books, but like, same, never read them. <laughs> same. I have a library of books, <gasps> yeah. and I think I, I probably have gone through like ten pages of like a single book. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one's got time for that. No, so I, we're I mean, gonna be your cliff notes to yeah. everything oh, that you that. need to know. Yeah. Um. So let's kind of go back to the beginnings, mm. just reestablishing who we are mm-hmm. as parents, as women. And I would love for people to get to know you on a very personal level. So why don't you start How off personal? <laughs> on a very personal, intimate level? Where to start? Well, I live in Los Angeles with my husband and two kids. We've been here since we got married. I came to Los Angeles to go to UCLA and pursue sort of performing arts, I guess. Um, just say it, Sarah. Just say it. Superstardom. <laughs> <laughs> but I come from... A very different life that LA has shown. My parents are missionaries in Guatemala, so I grew up there. I spent 11 years in Guatemala, and before that I was born in Spain, in Madrid. And I, you know what, when I first came to Los Angeles and went to school, to college, Uh I thought I was Latina. Well, 
You are Latina. I am Latina. Okay, that's fair. But in like, a, I just I thought I was like a hundred, not a hundred percent. I obviously I'm aware of like my Korean upbringing and roots, but I've always hung out sort of with Spanish speaking people. And when I went to UCLA, most you know I think Asian Americans joined like the Asian American clubs. Mm-hmm. Not me. You joined. I was like, where's Mecha? Where is like all the Latin associations? <laughs> I was there with just like my Latin crew. Well, I mean, first of all, Spanish is your first language, right? Yeah. And so that is who you are. I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but your face is obviously Asian and Korean, mm-hmm. but your upbringing is Latin. from Guatemala, Latin. Yeah, so is. that is more of who you are than yeah. your Korean upbringing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the fact that Spanish is my first language, but it's just all of my interactions. Like I first came to the U.S. and we kissed to greet people in Guatemala. Uh-huh. Yeah, that didn't go very well <laughs> with a lot of people. Is it like the French where they do the two kiss on the side? Yeah, we just do one, but uh-huh. we do it to everybody. We do it not just to our friends, but when you meet somebody for the first time, you greet them with a cheek kiss. <laughs> and you know how Americans are with their like personal space. So there was like a lot of that going on. I especially didn't it didn't go well with with you know with people here yeah so I definitely I love that side of me actually it's really has informed who I am and how I see the world and actually how I see the Asian American population here in the U.S. yeah but after going to a few of the Mecha meetings I was like oh there's like a whole other world over here of Asian American um kids that I've never really been exposed to wait have Have you ever been around Asian kids before or was it your first time coming to L.A.? Truly. I mean, I've seen other Asian people in Guatemala, but I never really hung out with them. Mm. I just didn't have that kind of identity because there just aren't that many of us down there. Yeah. And when I went to Korea, I always was felt I I felt like I didn't really belong there either, you know. Yeah. So I just hung out with all Guatemalan kids at school, Guatemalan and American, like blonde, blue eyes, American kids. Mm, Mm -hmm. I see. And when you came from Guatemala, you say you went right to UCLA, right? Actually, I went to community college for Uh two weeks and then I went to UCLA. Got it. And so was your mindset like, I'm going to come here and build a family and meet my husband? And Mm. was that the mindset for you? No, it wasn't. Mm. I came to the States wanting to get a college degree, knowing that that was sort of the gateway to any sort of opportunity. Um, and I wanted to work. And then I, that's what I thought I was going to do. And I was always looking for opportunities to work in any in media, whether that was television or, or music or film or anything like that. And I was on that track. For, because, for a while, I felt like. For a like. while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. I did come with that. I knew that I didn't have the luxury to just figure it out or do something else. I mean, Sarah was sleeping on my couch while (laughs) she was figuring it out. That was a great couch. Of what what it is that she wanted to do. Mm. But yeah, I I guess like along the way, you're like, okay, I think I'm I'm ready to be a parent. Uh, Not really. It's way, I think more calm. I think I always thought that I would be... um, an older mom. Like I thought I would come graduate from school in my early twenties, work for 15 years, establish, you know, conquer the world, leave my mark and then have kids in my like mid to late thirties and then just be a stay at home mom. Mm. That's how I always imagined my trajectory. (sighs) Things were so different. I mean, it happened 10 years faster. Way too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Way fast. I was pregnant at 26, which now that I think about it, 
so I early. I mean, we were both. I mean, you were pretty young too, Chris. I mean, I got married right after college. Yeah. I, I mean, we're like the only ones. <laughs> I have my thoughts on that, which we will get into yeah, we later. Talk about that. Yeah. But yes, I mean, we were babies. babies. And you know, the funny thing is that in your 20s, you think that like, you know everything. And that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what you're supposed to do. So I have something to admit, guys. And please do not judge me. I'm a horrible gift giver. Yes, there you go. I said it. Sometimes I overthink things. I always end up waiting last minute and I end up getting something that I don't really love. But anyways, I'm not letting that happen this time around. And I think I stress out about giving a gift that I know people will actually love and use because at the end of the day, look, if they're not going to use it, then what's the purpose, right? So when I discovered Vitruvi for my own home, for myself, I knew this was a gift I'll be giving to all of my friends and family this year. Scent is such an important part of our lives, whether we believe it or not. Certain scents get us in the mood of holiday cheer while other scents relax and calm us down. And I'm all about being intentional with creating the space that you really, really love and feel inspired by. Vitruvi designs all natural home scenting products that say something about you. From their award-winning diffusers to the pure essential oils that make scenting your home a beautiful opportunity of expression. Vitruvi is a perfect gift to give your loved ones this holiday season. Their holiday collection makes holiday gifting feel that extra bit special. From chic and festive cordless move diffuser colors to thoughtfully blended scents that scent the stage for a joyful holiday. There's something to surprise and delight everyone on your list this holiday season. Vitruvi's first ever holiday collection is designed specifically for the winter season and available only for a limited time. So there are three limited edition colors that are so gorgeous and that are perfect for the holiday season, but also just so timeless and sophisticated enough to fit all year along. The three colors include Willow, Chestnut, and Charm. And no matter where you're celebrating this year, these festive scents were crafted to transport you to a winter wonderland. I love a good scent for the holiday season. The two exclusive thoughtful limited edition blends for bringing the quintessential aromas of the holiday season into your home are Fireside, which is a really cozy, warm, sweet, and comforting scent, and Afterglow, which is spicy, sweet, and inviting. Visit vitruvi.com slash beingbumo and use code B-U-M-O-20 to get 20% off your next purchase. And action. Hey everyone, I'm Sarah Gretzky. And I'm Natalie Buck. And together, we are the Net Chicks. We're here to talk anything and everything on screen, including what your favorite celebs are up to. And if you want to know what shows we are absolutely loving and hating, well, thank God, because we will be unpacking for you every single Thursday. So grab your Netflix and some popcorn because the chicks are coming. And scene. Yeah. Only if we knew, right? Were you like deadly scared from all the like older aunties? Like I think this is what I think about it. It's so stupid. They would say things to me like, if you don't get married by 30, no one's going to want you. Yes. Do you remember like people would say those things to us? I mean, okay, so my mom wouldn't say that uh-huh. specifically, but mm-hmm. she would ins- insinuate things like that. And mm-hmm. so naturally in our con- conscious, we're just thinking like, oh, I need to find my husband. I need to find someone before I get too old. I'm turning 30. I'm getting so old. <laughs> Why did they oh say those things to us? I'm so sorry. That's that's effed up. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. We absolutely internalized our, we, all of those comments. Yes. 
And that's probably, I mean, I know for me, I'm like, I need to get married before I get 30 because if not, no one's going to want me and that's going to be a problem. I don't want to end up an old maid all but by myself. The, the problem is when you're in your 20s, you don't even know who you are. You don't know anything. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're a mother in your 20s. Yeah, I mean, we feel you. We feel We've you and you're going through it, but there's a whole life ahead of you. And for me, it's like, I was just trying to figure out who I was and my confidence, what I want to do. And you're expected to like find adult. a partner and be yeah. an adult and have kids and you think it's just the end of your life, but it's <laughs> not. I had those thoughts. So. I know, but I mean, here we are, almost in our forties. I do have to <laughs> who's in the Sorry, I'm, I'm I had to put 28. that. I'm, I'm still in my mid thirties, okay? I just want to clarify that. I'm in my late twenties. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do have to say, and we I hope we do talk about this, that even though I actually, in some ways, feel like it did work to our benefit, to be honest. Yeah. To be young moms. But we can talk about that. Yeah. Another time. I mean, I think there are benefits. Yeah. But then there's also... The finding yourself and... Finding yeah. yourself and scary statistics on divorces. Yeah. Of like, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with getting married at a very young age, which yeah. we will talk about in another episode. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I guess for me, going into myself, I mean, everyone kind of probably knows my background, but just to reestablish myself. Hi, I'm Chriselle. <laughs> Wait, who are you again? <laughs> and I have two kids, one six-year-old and one three-year-old, and I never thought I would be a mom. I honestly thought that I would be just a career woman for the rest of my life. And if I happen to have kids, great. If I didn't, totally fine. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was the second person out of our group to have kids. But yeah, it was hard for me making that transition because I prided so much of myself in being a career woman. And so I did have to make some sacrifices. But because of my just stubbornness and I just wasn't willing to give up my career or lose myself. And Mm. I think it came with the price because I went through postpartum depression. I went through periods where it was really hard for me because I was trying to do both and I didn't want to give up one for the other. I didn't want to be called a shitty mom and I didn't want to be called, oh, she became a mom. So she is no longer, you know, working on herself or her career. So I was Mm. trying to do both things full time and... I was really depressed. And I think I didn't even know I was depressed during that time. Well, you can't, you don't know that. Yeah. yeah while you're actually going through it. Yeah. yeah when you're going you? through it, you're, you're just like, this is my new life and mm-hmm. I, I just got to get through it. Yeah. And you don't think, you don't question it. And so that's how I've been living for, or how I did live for the past, I would say, um, five years of my life mm-hmm. until recently I realized that I was very much depressed yeah. and I finally got out of that yeah. but it was being overworked outside of the home but also being overworked inside of the home because mm-hmm. um, I was do doing a lot both. of it by myself yeah. and so yeah but I've learned so much along the way and I I really pride myself on being a mom but also still being able to stay true to myself and do what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, and I we talked about this in this last episode, I think everyone is wired a little differently. Like for yourself, you find so much pleasure and purpose in the day-to-day activities and little things with the kids. Mm-hmm. For me, 
I find so much pleasure in being able to create things. And if I, the minute that I stop, and I, I did stop for a little bit just to see, I didn't even know what to do with myself. Yeah. yeah. And so that's just who I am. I still, I feel like I, I'm a lot better about boundaries now though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all have that. Just because I'm a stay-at-home mom doesn't mean that I had it all figured out or like it all fell into place yeah. the first minute. Yeah. Like I was also dealing with understanding what I'm supposed to be doing. I remember thinking clearly like, okay, I I had the baby, I carried the baby, I birthed the thing, I breastfed the thing. <laughs> the now thing. what? Yeah, the thing. <laughs> I did call it the thing for a while. And I was like, now what? Who's doing the raising part? Like, uh-huh. am I... To, am I is that me? Because that's not what I signed up for. Like there was, it's definitely a bit of a, like a step to get there. Acceptance. Acceptance. Or, mm-hmm. or like, I have, I have to do it all the time. That's, that's my role. I, I didn't know that. No one told me that. You're like, oh, this, <sighs> oh, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> a little different than what I thought it would be. Yeah. Where are the cookies? <laughs> um, yeah. But do you, do you feel like, You've changed along the way as far as parenting style because, you know, obviously as a first-time mom, myself included, you're just, you think you're going to do it one way. And then after doing it for a few years, you're just like, oh, I was crazy for thinking that way. And I I find myself saying that a lot to myself. Yeah. And I think that's normal because with experience comes sort of the sense of reality. Mm -hmm. When I I was with my kids the first few years, I felt that I had to do it the same way my parents did it. Yeah, I, I don't know why I felt same. that way. I was like, okay, well, my mom did this, so I'm going to do this. Because yeah. I respect my mom. I love my mom. She is, to me, the modern woman. She, to me, is like the one that did it all, that like balanced it all. She's your role model. She's my role model yeah. in that sense. But to be honest, I didn't see the cost until a little bit later. Can you and give me an example? I really did not like being raised or taken care of by other people Mm. like because my mom was a working mom and we were also poor you know it's different it's a little bit different now because maybe you can have like a full-time nanny and and that's such a huge luxury for women to have that these days but I think in her situation she didn't have that so she would have to kind of drop me off in neighbors or church community that could kind of watch me that week. Because she was working. Because she was working. And my mm. dad was also working. And we she didn't have like a full-time helper. Yeah. And I really didn't like that. Do you remember that as a kid? Though? Of course. How old were you? I, I mean, three to seven, you know, wow. was a chunk of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't like that. And they were all like people I knew, part of our community, just like a total stranger. But I really didn't like that. Um, Do you feel that, that that's one of the reasons why you're like, if I have the ability to stay at home, I'm going to stay at home? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I I can't um, justify. And I, I have the resources to have a full-time nanny who's safe and like, like vetted and all that. Right. But even then, just the thought of having somebody else do the day for the day to day like you say the tying the shoes the mm-hmm. feeding the cutting the vegetables the filling out the forms the driving to the activities like i just to me even though i i could delegate it i just i don't want to yeah yeah i just i that don't want to that makes so much sense though because yeah. i think we all assume that we think 
one way of parenting is the right way. Mm-hmm. But it pretty much all comes down to what you experience mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. And what I just realized right now is mm-hmm. that I have the exact opposite experience. So my That's mom so uh-huh. was a stay-at-home mom. Uh-huh. Like full-blown breakfast, lunch, dinner, <laughs> midday snack, afternoon snack, after dinner snack, midnight <gasps> snack, like homemade. Can I be her child? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're living together right now, and it's pretty heavenly because she still does that for me. I know. Um, But because I had that extreme Mm. experience as a stay-at-home mom and literally smothering me (laughs) at all hours, wanting to know where I was, who I was talking to, where Mm -hmm. I was, what I was doing on the computer, if I was locked in the room or I locked myself in the room, what I was doing you know, probably going through my diaries, like all of that, right? Because that I was her world, which I, I mean, I have such a close relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. and I tell her that. And Mm -hmm. she was the one who drove me Mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, I am not going to be like Mm -hmm. you. When I become a mom, I am going to have my life Mm -hmm. and my happiness outside of my family and my kids Mm -hmm. because I also saw saw her go through severe depression at Mm -hmm. home. Granted that she did have some health complications, but she had a lot of anxiety and a lot of it was because she had nothing else to worry about except Mm -hmm. for us. So if we went out with our friends, she would literally be at home so worried, just waiting. And And so through that experience, I knew that I wanted to work and I knew that I needed to have a life outside of my kids Mm. and my my family. Mm. So it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense how we internalize our own childhood and only sometimes only focus on not the bad things, but the things that kind of shocked us most. And Mm. then we inform and then make decisions around that. But I also hope that this inspires people because Mm -hmm. it pretty much shows you that no matter what you do, like no matter how great of a stay-at-home mom you are Mm -hmm. or how great of a working mom you are, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, Mm -hmm. your child is going to think of a certain way of you, whether you like it or not. Yeah. They're going to be like, we're going to do the opposite opposite. of that. It's it's so funny to hear you say that and how you internalize that. And Do you feel that she put like... Did she do all of those things and then also kind of made you feel guilty about it? Like by saying things like, but look all I do for you. Yeah. 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 And that's a kind of an immigrant yeah, thing. I, it is. I think naturally like, oh, we came here, from, which which is true. It you is know, true. They it's sacrifice their, yeah. so much and it's part of their story and their history. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we recognize that. But then I think it's unfair when the children have to carry the burden mm-hmm. because their parents made that decision. And, and so I felt that I was always having to kind of live up to what my mom wanted me to do. And I was a really good girl. I did everything that they told me to do. My yeah. sister, on the other hand, she was a rebel. But <laughs> I did everything because I, I, I'm a people pleaser, something yeah. that I'm still working through. Yeah. And I also saw Lynette, our other really close friend. Uh-huh. Her parents were working and Lynette and Annie, they didn't have their parents around and they were so close growing up. Mm-hmm. Whereas my sister and I, we weren't very close until we left for college and we needed each other. And so, again, in hindsight, I'm just like, that's what I wanted. That is so interesting you Mm -hmm. bring that up because I'm similar with Lynn. Because my mom and dad were working so much, my sister and I became 
yeah. so close and depended on each other for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't even put the two and two together. Yeah. Because my sister didn't need me. I didn't need my sister. Oh, so you guys didn't assume those roles for And we didn't other. have to play with each other because my mom played with each and one of us, you know? <laughs> she literally was her everything. Yeah. I know. I love that because now, I mean, I hope that the listeners also know that they have choice too. Yeah. And really that's what it's about. It's embracing, it's sort of taking in everything because everybody has different situations based on their partner and like where they are in their career or motherhood sort of journey, but that they can make a choice and make it for themselves and feel good about it and feel empowered to feel good within that choice. It doesn't have to look like what your mom did. It doesn't have to look like what your best friend is doing. But if you feel that that choice serves you and your family, like... Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to when it you're a parent. It's like, yes, everyone has their own experiences and advice, but at the end of the day, what makes you feel the best, that's all that matters. And you just have to trust your intuition. Yeah. And I think especially women, yeah. we have a very strong intuition, but sometimes we tend to ignore it. Yep. And that's, that's all cool. what parenting is, is listening to your own gut. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's here, guys. The holidays are just around the corner and I can't believe that I am speaking these words out of my mouth. And I promised myself that I'll be getting ahead of everyone else and actually enjoy the holidays instead of worrying about last minute gifts. Been there, done that. Holidays are all about coming together with loved ones and taking an active role in creating the magic of the season. From traditions to new family memories, they're all established in the moment you're cutting paper snowflakes, gluing sticky ornaments, or kneading holiday cookie dough. It's really in the activity that you do together with your loved ones. Sure, we can buy ornaments, but isn't building your own so much more awesome and memorable? This year, KiwiCo wants to invite you and your family to make the holidays a little less prepackaged and a little bit more hands-on, all while learning a thing or two along the way. So I've been using KiwiCo for a while now, and I lost track of how many boxes that we've done at this point, but we still can't get enough. The most recent one I did with my daughter, Chloe, was a pinball machine crate. She loved it, and I was actually super impressed. We made everything from the board to the actual game in itself to the sign. It was incredible. We played with angles and momentum and science. It was really awesome. And the look on Chloe's face when she finished her project was seriously priceless. She was so proud of herself that she did it on her own with a little bit of help from me, but it's a prized possession in her room now because it's not just the actual thing, but it's the memories that we created together along the way. We also just got the walking robot crate, which she is so excited about. I love that KiwiCo allows kids to become proud of their own creation and really value the process. Your child can get super cool hands-on science and art and geography projects delivered right to their door every month. They'll be so excited to see these arrive in the mail. The day that the box arrives will be their favorite day of the month, trust me. You will also be surprised at how high quality the materials are too. These are real engineering, science, and art projects for children. And as a busy parent, I know how hard it can be to find creative ways to keep your children busy and challenged. So let KiwiCo do the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel at any time. This holiday, don't just teach kids how to buy teach them how to build. Give them a gift of hands-on holiday with a KiwiCo subscription and celebrate a love for hands-on learning all year long. 
Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code BUMO at kiwico.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com. Promo code BUMO. I'm hungry. Me too. You want to see what's in my little cute lunchbox? I would love to see this what's in your lunchbox. This is the preschool lunchbox that the kids had. I'm like, is that, is that your daughter's lunchbox? It sure is. Well, now she's moved on to like a cool one. I have her cheesy like preschool one. For okay. those of you that can't see, um, because this is obviously a podcast, she has a pastel purple with pink zippers, um, Velcro-y type of lunchbox in front of her. That's super cute. Actually, I really love it because it's by, um, it's actually from... 12 Little, I do all of their lunchboxes, um, and they have that insulated sort of interior, which is great. Um, okay, I'm really into these gluten-free pretzels. Oh my gosh, can I tell you something? You brought those last time. Uh-huh. I took them home with me, the kids ate the whole thing. So and I was cool. so surprised uh-huh. because, and by the way, this is not a product placement. <laughs> this actually should be because it's a really, really good uh, recommendation. So but cool. I took those home and they're not salty. So I was like, oh, the kids aren't gonna like it. They ate the whole thing. It's because they're so crunchy. Crunchy. So, so crunchy and crispy and like airy inside. What is I, it called? Can you tell um, everyone? Glutino. And they're gluten-free They're pretzel. gluten-free pretzels. I mean, I didn't buy the gluten. It wasn't because of the gluten-free thing. I just tried them at a different, someone else's home and loved them too. But it's great that they're gluten-free. I mean, And it's called Glutino. Glutino. Forever gluten-free. Yeah. They're really, really good. Yeah. I'm not a big pretzels fan, but I did like these a lot. And so did the kids. Such a good. Okay, what else do you have? I have... um. <laughs> oh, I love that. Kosomi. Kosomi are like Kosomi. the Korean crackers. They're sesame-based. I grew up eating these. Like in Guatemala, we had one Korean market that brought shipment like twice a year. <laughs> and they always bought the kosomi and the... What is the name of the um the red bean ice cream? Not the BB go ice cream. BB ice cream. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just like a long stick, like a brown stick. Yeah, Yeah. with the uh, the, red bean flavor. Those were kind of the only two snacks that they would eat. And this heokang, obviously, the shrimp-based ones. Basically, these crackers are crack. You can't stop eating them. Because they're so thin, Mm -hmm. wafery, crispy, and just light with just like a taste of sugar and sesame. It's so good. For those of you that have video. never tried Korean snacks, you have to go to some sort of local Korean supermarket because they have hand sanitizer. I'm not saying this because I'm Korean. I think they have the best, most delicious light, light snacks. And they're not too salty, not too sweet, not yeah. too fried. Yeah. Nick, this one's for you. <laughs> so sweet. Um, okay, I found these, uh, this brand called Made Good. It's vanilla crispy squares. So it's like... Um, the traditional Rice Krispie treat, I but has less sugar. Good. Okay, good. Me too. Made Good is our go-to snack brand at home because they're the traditional snack that kids are familiar with. Because it, the hardest thing is trying to get kids to eat healthy snacks, but they don't look like your, their normal snacks. Mm-hmm. Whereas Made Good, they have the chocolate chip, they have the Rice Krispies, yeah. but they're obviously formulated in a much healthier way. And they have the chocolate version of that too, which is really mm. good, but the kids like the vanilla. Amazing. Okay, do you want to see mine? You're going to laugh so hard because it's not even, um, I mean, it's not even, it's not even a snack. Okay, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) 
you know what this is? I would is? argue that's the best snack slash meal ever. So basically, I brought a instant cooked rice. Uh, what do you Container? call it? Container. Like, um, it's like the microwavable rice. rice, like the instant rice. I love those. Well, you know why I have I have these stocked at home because my youngest Colette, she is for those that follow me on Instagram, you guys know this, but she is a rice queen. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ever since she was a baby, all she wanted was rice, and she still wants rice, but she doesn't want just rice at night. She wants it all throughout the day, like <laughs> breakfast, lunch dinner, snack, and I'm not going to make a whole like batch of new rice every single time. So we have these guys stocked up, which is instant rice. You just yeah. pop it into the microwave yeah. for, I don't know, like 30 seconds. Yeah. And know, like two minutes or something. Two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it just, I'm sure it's not the healthiest way to eat rice, but as a busy mom, like, I'm sorry, that's the best I can do that's at this what point. That's we're going with. Um, and then obviously just seaweed. That she wraps it with. Yeah. And that's actually a really good brand too. I like that brand. We young, actually have that one too. Young Bon Rosa seaweed yeah. with olive oil. Because again, it's sometimes hard to get like the light, like the crispy lightness to yes, it. Yes, oh. exactly. Wait, but is that for you or is that for the babies? It's mainly for Colette. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll eat her leftovers. Mm-hmm. I try to, because she likes to eat it for breakfast and lunch. And then dinner, I'll do like a proper meal that's uh-huh. not just rice, like a salmon usually. So I try to do this like as an after school snack okay. for her. We do this and we call it the Korean breakfast. Oh. Because yeah, it's either like cereal, pancake, eggs, like salmon, bagel or whatever. But then they can have this. Like the they love the instant rice because the rice comes out so fluffy and warm. I mean, I'm sh- I'm <sighs> shook. Like I How was good it is. so <laughs> shook when I tried this for the first time. I was yeah. like, this is better than the actual rice. It is. Because it's so sticky. It's so sticky and fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. And easy to make. Uh, for those of you wondering what the brand is called, it's o- Otugi. 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 Oh. But I'm sure there's a lot of different brands, Korean brands somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I have for lunch. (laughs) So now that schools are fully back in, how are you feeling about everything? I have to say that I'm incredibly happy and grateful that the kids are in school Mm -hmm. because I, I think that they just need to be with their friends, socialize be in their space, be outside of the house, have more stimulation. I think it's been really good for my kids. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Same, because especially with Chloe being in kindergarten, her entire kindergarten was on Zoom, Mm. and that was really challenging for her. And at such a young age, socialization is such a big part of the, like, how they learn, right? And, I mean, not all subjects, but for the most part, I feel like that is such a big, big part of just early childhood learning. So yeah, I'm really, really grateful too. But there's a lot of, I don't know, I just feel like it's been a little stressful navigating this whole situation because for a while we're like, oh, it's done. Like COVID is like settled now. Kids can go back. But we just got news that kids are going to have to test all the time, like every week. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, you know, we weren't ready for that, uh, that news. But uh, of course, kids are resilient and I'm sure that they'll get used to it. But just navigating through all of that and having to explain it to a child and 
you know, the idea of like, I'm always on edge of like, when am I going to get that one email from yeah. the school saying that it's going to shut down? Yeah. <laughs> Your pod has been canceled for the next two weeks. Yeah. You're going to have to go back to homeschooling to for the rest of learning. the year, 2022. <gasps> no, oh thanks. my goodness. No, thank We're going to delete that email. And <laughs> <laughs> Actually with Sophia, it's been interesting because she did second grade remote learning, third grade, she's going back into, you know, back to school. And there has been, it has been a period of adjustment for her, mm. that group dynamic. But the thing is, the reality is that kids just gravitate to the same child. Uh, I know that Sophia kind of likes her two not best friends, best friends. <laughs> so then what can I say? It's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to help them understand that group dynamic. I just let the teachers do it. Mm. I'm like, oh, ask your teacher about that. But then does she come and tell you all these she does. things? Okay, yeah. that's great. She does because half of it is crying in tears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I hope that Chloe, when she gets to that point, that she will come to me because my kind of struggle right now is that Chloe internalizes a lot Mm -hmm. and I have to make conscious effort to get things out of her or else she won't naturally just tell me things just to tell me and so I hope that she will come to me crying if something like that does happen Mm -hmm. I had to tell my daughter my elementary stories for her to open up I think I would tell her things like what did I say the other day it was like I we didn't have lockers. We used to have desks where you put everything under your desk, uh-huh. right? And you can slide things in and out. So I would tell her those stories. Like, I couldn't find my pencil. I didn't know where things were. And then she would say, well, at my school, we have lockers, mom. So I don't know. That kind of helps start certain conversations, That's at least for idea. mundane things. Yeah. Um, and and Sophia's chatty in general. She almost has too much to say. Um, Okay, so then how did your parent population take the whole you guys have to get your kids tested every week concept? Because I know some parents might not be into that. I mean, it's it's so divided. It's 50-50, really. And it's hard for me to tell sometimes. And, you know, obviously everyone has their reasonings and everyone has their thoughts and you know, I want to respect everyone, but at the same time, you know, it's for the bigger just safety of our community, making sure everyone's safe. But I, I do have to say that half the parents that I personally know and that I am friends with were very angered by the fact that the kids have to be tested every week. Yeah. And then there's the other half of the population of my friends that are like, it's great. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's being responsible, you know, it will reduce any outbreaks. Mm -hmm. And so it's divided right down the line. But I think that's also what we're dealing with in America, right? Not trying to get too political, but it's just divided. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? I think our school generally tends to be very Mm like-minded and that's not to say that that's good. So I think like we we are tested, we've been testing our kids every Mm -hmm. week. Um, So I don't, at least not from the people I know, that there wasn't any really pushback on that. Mm-hmm. I think that our school is also trying to, and not just our school, but just schools in general, have such a delicate and tough thing that they have to navigate. Because even, say, for example, if Chloe is positive, what happens to Colette? Should she also stay home? And, yeah. and obviously, like, the county is regulating a lot of those decisions for the schools as well. But those conversations are really hard with parents because I personally just want my kids to, 
to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of my priority and how I base my decisions. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think after two years of being at home with kids, everyone's like, whatever it takes I to don't keep care. the kids at school. If they need to get tested every week, if they need to, I don't know. I, I, I was even like, if we just need to take our own personal cars and park them at school and they have to stay inside of the car too. I was like, anything like, create the little bubbles for them like let's just do it imagine yeah. that like oh having God. school out of a car well they do the i got the idea because you know how they have those drive-in drive movies yeah. yeah and i was like we could do that for school a drive-in school i love that Thank you. okay i think we're on to something we're here something? we okay, are okay. on to something here but yeah, I mean, it, it's been a challenging year, years for parents. Mm. And I think, I feel like we're at a much better place because at least if something does happen, we have the protocol now. The kids have been pretty resilient. Yeah. And so... They sort of find ways to work around it, right? Yeah. And like my daughter, they're really big in like all having the same mask these days. Oh. So they all have like the same purple a tie-dyed mask and it's really fun for them um, they make it fun they for make the kids. it fun yeah. yeah i hope so yeah i don't know i think we're gonna look back on this time and hopefully it'll be just like a little blip right in like everything else so we're gonna be the kids are gonna be like yeah we lived through covid and we had to wear masks but you know it it's just what we had to do yeah and yeah. obviously it's it had its challenges but yeah, I, but we got through it. We got through yeah. it. And I have to say, I just got back from Europe and it almost felt, I always thought America was pretty forward with things, but Europe has it down when it comes to everyone like figuring out what what the next step forward is. And okay. so every once I landed, like you have to have this vaccine. We have vaccination cards here, but no one really checks it, right? Whereas there, you have to literally have your your COVID vaccination app like on hand because literally anywhere you go, walking down the street, into restaurants, at at the shows, shopping, they will check in, they'll scan it and make sure that you're registered. So I feel like people are, I mean, slowly making progress. Hopefully it'll get like, you know, we'll catch up as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think we're we're making progress and hopefully the schools will remain open. So what would you say would be the best way to support your little ones going back after the pandemic and, you know, just being in all this uncertainty yeah. of schools. I think that's that's good because they, they internalize everything that's being talked by adults, the administration, the parents, right? So I don't know, for us, I just try to reassure them every morning and every night that they're safe, that mm -hmm. they're going to a place that they're they trusted adults, that they're doing all the right things, like really make them feel like they are part of the solution. They're wearing their mask. They are sanitizing their hands. They are, you know, if they're feeling a little sick, they're going to tell the nurse about it, right? And mm -hmm. like, wow, look at you being participating participant in like helping you know not spread covid and things like that and we actually had a friend um we had a, a situation in a different school where there was a small outbreak so then we wrote them letters and just like made sure that we were like okay get get better soon so that there's also no stigma that if a kid has covid like there's something wrong or that's yeah. bad like we don't want to play with that kid anymore we're like no we don't do that they're going to be home and they're going to quarantine and we're going to write them a letter and send them a cupcake and that's so, amazing like just help them i mean for us at least just to help them feel part of i actually have like sophia wrote a letter i'm supposed to mail it out to her friend um in my bag um 
just to not like to not create more stigma and division between the kiddos too. That's incredible be because like, I think we often forget that you know they're learning how to react to tough situations, right? I mean, COVID is a tough situation that none of us, even as adults, knew how to handle. But if you're giving them this opportunity, that's something that they're gonna take on forever in any given situation. Yeah, it's like, how do you take something so scary and big and make it small and help them feel really empowered and like they're helping with the solution? And I think we we, we can do that through yeah. this. Yeah, and also you're teaching them that they do matter and you know their, their role as a good citizen mm-hmm. in the world does matter. You know, writing someone a letter mm-hmm. or you know, wearing their own mask because, you know, oftentimes, sometimes I'm guilty of this as well. It's like, oh, just like her. Oh, you forgot your mask. Oh, no, no. Like, just like cover your mask. You know, like we'll do things out of rush. But like if you actually take the time to explain to them and walk through the steps, then you're teaching them how to be a really good human being at the end of the day. And And be part of the solution. Be part of the solution. Yeah. I love that. And I think if we all view this as an opportunity to teach our kids these tools, then it makes it almost less scary. Yeah, I love that. Okay, this has been so much fun. I This is my first episode as co-host of Being Boomo. It's pretty exciting. I can't believe I'm just sitting here talking to you about my favorite, one of my favorite subjects. Well, I mean, it's just us catching up basically so this is a dream come true oh i'm so happy to be here and do this with you chris same so yeah let let us know if you guys want us to talk about certain subjects sarah and i are an open book whether it's controversial whether it's something that's a bit more sensitive we would love to know anything that's been on your heart as parents or just as human beings and we would love to discuss it so dm us at myself i guess chriselle lim (laughs) or at mama son yeah right i we hope to continue the conversation there all right see you guys next week thank you so much for listening we want to keep this conversation going with you so please leave us a dm on instagram and make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast and we would love it if you left us a review Also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure to visit us at Bumo Work at Westfield Century City Shopping Center. And if you're looking for educational-based content entertainment for your little ones, visit us at www.bumobrain.com or at Bumo Brain on Instagram.